0: Jesus called Himself the Good Shepherd. He's the one who leads us to peace so that our souls can be restored. Everything we need to face the reality of our lives is found in His presence. Getting face to face with Him in all of your mess and just being restored. And nothing satisfies like He does. Welcome to the Resurgence Messages podcast. We gather and minister regularly for the purpose of reaching people, reviving churches, and releasing leaders. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you to arise for the kingdom of God. For more information on the ministry of resurgence and how you can take part, check out liveresurgence.com. As Travis said, I've been around resurgence for a long time. Resurgence has played a huge role uh, in my life, both for my own personal benefit, but also just for my growth as a leader. Um, It was mentioned earlier, I don't know if you caught it, but we have um, sort of three mandates here in Resurgence, release leaders, revive churches, and reach people with the love of Jesus. And um, I would say that I am some of the fruit of Resurgence. Um, and all that resurgence carries. And I don't mean that with pride. Um, there's just always been this culture of honor in sharing the platform in resurgence. And it's one of the reasons that I've stayed connected for so many years. Um, so I'd like thank you for having me here tonight. Thank you, everyone, for being here tonight. Um, and I'm really honored to be trusted with this platform tonight. Um, I have family and friends in the room tonight, uh, and I'm so grateful to you guys for being here. There's been a lot of prayer for me over the last week, too, um, from people who love me and care about me, and I know there's some watching online, too, so thank you for that. I'm a words of affirmation person, and I want to say something nice about everyone, but I don't have time for that, so... um, just you're all lumped into that, and thank you. Um, but I do actually want to mention one person tonight. Um, she's not here, but my nana is at home. She's 92, um, and she and my grandpa were in ministry for over 50 years together. Um, so there's this legacy yeah, that that I'm like coming behind. Um, that means a lot to me. My grandpa passed away in January, but my nana um, she <laughs> she was a fierce uh, preacher and a fiery woman. And so um, I'm just grateful for all that my grandparents have poured into me and their sealing of their legacy is the foundation that I'm walking on tonight. And so I just think it's important to honor that. Um, my Nana actually called me a couple hours before uh, the service and she said, oh, I'm going to be praying for you tonight the whole time you're up there. So there's there's prayer going up right now as as we share together. I'm going to... Talk from down here, if that's OK, I know I'm not very tall, but um, being up up there, like that's very high for someone who's only five foot three, I don't see the world from up there very often, so this just feels better. I feel a little closer to you, and I can actually like see your faces tonight. Um, so let's get started. Yeah? I say I'm um a lot, and I'm going to try not to, but just bear with me if I do, OK. It's Christmas time, right? Yeah, we're all aware of that. <laughs> um, if you don't know that, I'm a little bit concerned. Maybe we should pray later. Um, I really love Christmas and everything that comes with the Christmas season, um, like all of it. Just Christmas is so much fun, um, and Christmas music. Where are my people in the room who loves Christmas music? Come on, we're the anointed ones tonight. Uh, if you've been in church for any length of time, you know around this season, um, we, there's some verses that we sort of quote and use all the time, and one of those is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and it says, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Um, I'm in this season of encountering the Lord as the Prince of Peace right now. Um, that just keeps coming up for me. And actually, in uh, pre-service prayer, what? where is she who prayed over my shoes? Where are you? Is she here? Yes. What's your name? Say it again. Heather. Okay. Heather prayed over my shoes. We didn't talk beforehand, but she prayed over my shoes um, that they would be like, covered with the the shoes of peace, right? Like the armor of God, right? Shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And she prayed that over me. I take my shoes off all the time. Um, I I don't like wearing shoes, but I kept them on tonight because she prayed over them. So (laughs) I'm just believing for that anointing tonight. Um, It's really interesting to be encountering God as the Prince of Peace right now. Because I grew up in church, and I've heard him called that all my life. And the thing is, you can know something, right? But knowing it and having a re- revelation of it are not the same thing. Uh, revelation is when your head knowledge, what you know, becomes your heart knowledge, right? It's what you believe. It's what you live out, and you believe it for you. Um, For too long, I think we've been experiencing and talking about this dismantling that's been taking place, right? It comes up all the time. And I really believe that we're entering into a season of remantling. Um, So for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, the Lord is remantling His people with new garments of identity and position in Him. And I think it's a little bit unnerving for a lot of us because this new mantle actually calls us up to a higher level of faith, and it requires us to walk in some spiritual authority that we haven't been used to for a very long time. So we're being called to walk down roads we haven't tread before, and it requires us to know who we are, who we belong to, and what we carry as a result. So for me, encountering The Lord is the Prince of Peace has been kind of this like 10 year journey for me. And actually, Psalm 23 has been my guide through all of that. Um, I love Psalm 23. Like, it gets me so excited. And so I'm really excited to be able to just share some thoughts with you about it tonight. The way I see it, Psalm 23 is about three things one, it's teaching us the true nature of God in spite of our experience. Two, it's equipping us to walk through the realities of our lives. And three, it's teaching us what our true identity is, how God sees us and how he wants us to see ourselves. Are you with me? Yeah? Okay. Let's read Psalm 23. We have it. Yes, on the screen. Um, So we'll read it here. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And yes, I do have that memorized. Um, When I was about 26 years old, uh, I found myself in this full burnout. I needed time off work, I needed to see a counselor, and I was just operating in low power mode, right? iPhone users, when your battery gets low and everything starts slowing down, you get that low power mode pop-up, that was me, right? Like, barely functioning and trying to reserve what little bit of energy I had. And the lifeline that the Lord threw out for me to grab in that season was just the first four lines of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And that's it. That's where we stopped. There was nothing more in that season. And I spent basically the next year just being a puddle on the floor. <laughs> I, would, I would sit here in resurgence and just weep month after month. Like, I don't know if you remember that, but every month I would come and I would just weep. But every time I fell apart, the Prince of Peace would come and whisper in my ear, come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. So I, I did
1: I just started coming
0: before the Lord with all of my brokenness, all of my despair, over and over again. And I literally had nothing to offer but my attention. And most of the time, it meant lying on the floor in my bedroom, sometimes worship music playing, sometimes not. Uh, But there was just a whole lot of weeping and me just saying, here I am, this is all I have. It was there that the Prince of Peace stepped into my pain with me. And I think it's important for me to say that he didn't make all my problems go away. This season wasn't about encountering the miracle-working God, right? The God of the breakthrough. This was about learning to operate out of a place of peace in spite of what was happening. Which oddly, weirdly, (laughs) it instills in you this power and authority over your circumstance. And encountering the Lord as peace causes you to rest and be restored in the middle of the storm, like Jesus asleep on the boat. And nothing rattles your peace when it's from the Lord. A shepherd leads his sheep to green pastures and still waters because they need it to live it's pretty basic, right? Jesus called himself the good shepherd. He's the one who leads us to peace so that our souls can be restored. And every time we need to face the reality of our lives, sorry, everything we need to face the reality of our lives is found in his presence. Getting face to face with him in all of your mess and just being restored. And nothing satisfies like he does. So even though Psalm 23 goes on to talk about valleys and enemies, it matters that it starts with rest, right? Every valley we walk through and every enemy we face can be overcome from a place of rest. And the psalm finishes by saying, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And this is the goodness and the mercy of the Lord That our shepherd is the prince of peace and he leads us into rest and restores our souls. Your weariness is not where your story ends. The Lord wants you to know him as peace tonight. He just needs your attention, your presence with him so that he can lead you there. Yeah? Amen? (laughs) Okay. So David wrote this psalm, King David, if you don't know that. And after he talks about green pastures and still waters and rest, he goes on to say this. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yay, that's some good old King James for you, and that's how I learned it, so it's stuck with me. But it means even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There's, There's so much in this psalm that I would love to, like, dive deep into, <laughs> but I'm actually kind of blowing through it a little bit quickly because I really want to get to the next part after this. It's my favorite part. It's the most exciting part. Um, so I hope you can sort of track with me through this because um, I'm, I'm highlighting a lot. I feel like I'm highlighting it a lot, but uh, could, could go a lot deeper. So there's just a few things I want to highlight in, in this part of the psalm says, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's to give him glory. So righteousness is being in right relationship with God, right? And if there is a right relationship with God, right can also mean good or whole or healthy, then it stands to reason that we can have an unhealthy relationship with God. So for example, believing that the goodness and the love of God is something I have to earn or strive for, right? That's an unhealthy connection with God. It's an unhealthy view of the Lord. So the Lord's aim is to lead us on a path that develops right relationship with him so that we can make him known. And the path of righteousness does go through the valley sometimes. We want our lives to be all mountaintops, right? We love the mountaintop because it's exhilarating but the landscape of our lives, it looks more like mountaintops and valleys and then some plateaus, or sometimes we say wilderness. And you know what's an interesting thought, just kind of a side note? Green pastures and still waters aren't usually found on the mountaintops, right? Green pastures are found in the plateaus, in those wide open, seemingly empty spaces where it feels like nothing is happening and it's just endless, okay? And the the still waters they're often found in the valleys in the low places right sometimes maybe on the plateau as well but not usually on the mountaintops so we need all of it in our lives valleys come in our lives <clears throat> they come in all of our lives so being in the valley doesn't necessarily mean that you're off track with the lord but there are multiple paths that you can take through the valley and it's the Lord's desire that we follow the path of right relationship through every landscape of our lives. That's his aim for us. So the real problem of the valley is the shadow of death. Valleys, they're already like a little bit damp and cold and overgrown and they can lack sunlight. So they're, they're not bad places, but they're uncomfortable and they can be challenging to navigate um, it's harder to see the path when you're in the valley, right? So the enemy will seize the opportunity to cast a shadow over you. He amplifies a dim atmosphere in an attempt to cause fear. And you might hear yourself saying things like, I, I can't do this. I, I'm never going to get out of this. This is all my life will ever be. And I think some of, some of us here maybe need to hear this tonight. You weren't made to dwell in the valley, Some of us have set up camp down in the valley. We've built like even little cabins there. And I've done this myself. I've been there, right? We've made a permanent residence in the valley. And we're so used to living in the shadow that we can't even imagine a life without darkness. And so it becomes a form of death in our lives because we just get stuck there. And it's not the Lord's intention for you to stay in the valley he is taking us from glory to glory. So the valley is not the end of your story. It's an in-between. So it might be time to maybe break up camp tonight. The goodness of, and the mercy of the Lord in the valley is this. It says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I will fear no evil because Emmanuel... God with us is with me in the valley, and he's not waiting on the other side for you to crawl your way out. The Prince of Peace that leads you to still waters and green pastures is with you. And as if that isn't enough, like his presence is there, (laughs) his rod and his staff are there too. And I've heard different teachings about the significance of that, and they're all really good. I love them. But when the Lord spoke to me about this, I, it was a few years ago, and I remember the Holy Spirit asking me, "What does a shepherd's staff do for the sheep?" And at its very simplest, it just it guides them with a little bit of a nudge or a prod here and there to keep them on the right path. It is the gentle guidance and correction of the Lord that keeps us on the path of righteousness, even through the valley or especially through the valley. When the shadow washes over us and we can't see clearly, we need only to listen for His voice and feel the nudge of His guidance and correction. And that is the peace and the comfort that we carry with us in the valley. We need not fear it or get stuck in it because He's there with us to make sure that we stay on the right path that leads us out. So this is why we must keep our eyes and our ears fixed on him, no matter what we find ourselves in in life. So now we come to the good part. (laughs) We come to my, I shouldn't say the good part. It's my favorite part, okay? It's all good. It's all really good. This is my favorite part, and it's probably because this is like the freshest piece of all of this for me, and it's sort of what I'm walking out in my life right now but it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Something I didn't know until recently is that this verse is actually about identity. Ephesians 6 reminds us that our battle is spiritual. It's not against each other, right? And if you're not aware of that tonight, it might be time to become aware. Not because we want to give the enemy credit or attention, but so that we can actually overcome our spiritual battles. You can't win a battle you don't know you're fighting. So imagine this, right? You're on the battlefield of your life and you're clothed in the armor of God and you are well equipped for this fight and you're battling it out with everything you've gotten you and out of the corner of your eye, you notice something happening Jesus has stepped onto your battlefield. But instead of doing what we expect him to do, right, to, like, step into the fray and slay all of our enemies, he sets up a table, and then he just begins to lay a feast. And when he's finished, he interrupts the battle, and he just says, hey, stop fighting. I've prepared a table for you. Let me anoint your head with oil. When David wrote this psalm, It was custom for a host to anoint a guest's head with oil as a symbol of esteem and respect. So it signified that they were an honored guest and that they were welcomed and belonged there. So when you imagine a table prepared for you in the presence of your enemies, they're standing in front of the table and they're watching all of this, and the table is full, your cup is overflowing, your head is dripping with oil. And Jesus is seated at the table and there's an open chair for you. Where are you in that picture? Are you seated at the table? I heard my pastor preach on a story from King David a little while ago. um, And that message was the beginning of a really important change of perspective for me. And there's some people from my church here tonight, so this may be familiar. (laughs) Uh, When David conquered King Saul, and he became the king of Israel. The nursemaid for one of Saul's grandsons heard the news, and she panicked. And she grabbed Mephibosheth, who was the grandson, and she ran. But as she ran, she dropped the baby, and his legs were broken. And the story goes that because of this, he grew up to be crippled, so he was unable to work and couldn't take care of himself. And many years later, David being a man of honor and respect, sought out any of Saul's remaining descendants. And the custom of the day was to actually kill any descendants of the one that you had conquered. But instead of that, David found Mephibosheth, and he adopted him as his own. He brought him into his home and made a place for him at his table daily as one of his sons. This to me is one of the most beautiful images of the table of the Lord. The adoption into the family of God that we experience, David demonstrated that. And the place that is set for us at the table next to Jesus makes us co-heirs with him. So we are co-heirs of the king because we are sons and daughters adopted in, right? But the most powerful image for me in all of this is that Mephibosheth was still lame. He couldn't walk. So that meant that every day he was either carried in by others or he had to drag himself in to take his seat at the table. So he couldn't walk in all polished and put together because of his brokenness. But he knew where it was be- where, he knew it was where he belonged and it was who he belonged to, so he did it every day. And he entered that room with shame, but the moment he was seated at the table, his shame was covered so you could no longer see his brokenness. And as he sat at the table, receiving all the authority and honor that comes with being a son of the king, that shame was covered. So when the Lord prepares a table for us, it's not a reward for overcoming. And he does not require that we come to the table in perfection. We are Mephibosheth, broken but adopted and given a place at the table. For my job, <laughs> I get to do summer camp. Are there any camp people here, camp people? Yes, Favorite. Favorite worked at my camp, Woo. Um, camp is a weird place. If you've worked at camp, you know that, and there are a lot of shenanigans. Um, I remember one summer, I had this staff, her name was Caitlin, and she was super competitive, like super competitive, somehow this arm wrestling Competition had broken out among the staff, and Caitlin was having a lot of victory. She's like, she's, you know, slaying everybody, and she's really, like, pumped up, and she's, like, hyped up, and she's trash-talking everyone. And I kind of wandered over to see what was happening, and she saw me, and she challenged me to an arm wrestle. And she's like, you know, she's in my face, and she's like, let's go, let's go, and I was like, Okay. So I sat down at the table across from her and I put my arm up and I just looked her dead in the eyes, right? And she instantly sat back and she started getting super squirmy, me and she's going, oh my goodness, oh no, what have I done? Oh no, I can't do this, I can't do this. And I just sat there like staring her down, right? <laughs> she suddenly realized like she had just challenged her boss to an arm wrestle, right? Who does that? But here's the thing, all it took, cause she was a strong, she was strong, okay? She, she could have won this. But all it took was my confidence in my position of authority over her to rattle her to the core. And suddenly a very confident, trash-talking, strong woman was instantly reduced to a ball of nerves. And I had won the moment I sat down, we both knew it. We both knew it. So we still fought, we still, you know, we still went at it and I won. You know, (laughs) it was pretty legendary among the staff for that summer. Favor, were you there for that? No, that was before you. Here's the thing. When I used to picture this table in the presence of my enemies, I was standing in front of it and I'm looking across to this empty seat that is next to Jesus, right? And I would think, oh, look at that. That's amazing. Look what the Lord has done. That, look what's waiting for me over there. And it was like this measure of faith would stir up in me and I'd be excited and I'm like, that's so good, right? That's so good, the table of the Lord. There's a seat for me. But also there was like something in me that knew I wasn't fully getting it yet. And the spirit was kind of like, you're, all, you're almost there, but you got to keep pressing in because there's more. And then the other day, literally like the other day, this is kind of fresh in the last few months, <laughs> the Lord was like, hey, why aren't you sitting here with me? I'm waiting for you. And I, like I tell you, everything changed in that moment. Because I realized something. I had been looking at the table from the same perspective as the enemy. I'm standing on the field in the presence of the table instead of sitting at it in my place next to Jesus. So now when I, when I picture this in my mind's eye, I'm seated in that empty chair. And there's a full table before me. And Jesus is sat next to me. And the enemy is in front of us. And they're trembling. And I am in perfect Peace. When you see yourself seated at the table in the presence of your enemies, the battle is won before it's even over. The balance of power shifts in that moment, because it's just like me sitting down across from Caitlin. When you understand the position of authority that you have in Jesus Christ, who is seated next to you at the table and who has anointed your head with oil, you are no longer in defense mode with the enemy. Now you're in offense. And everything you need for that battle is there in front of you, and it is there in abundance. And you can sit in the presence of your enemies with all the peace and the confidence and the authority of the King of Kings. Nothing rattles your opponent more than celebrating a victory as though you've already won it. And that is what the table of the Lord is. It is a table celebrating your victory. The question is, are you sitting there? Worship team, you guys can start making your way up. Every, every verse of this psalm leads us to an encounter with the Prince of Peace. And the enemy would have us rushing about in fear and dismay, right, trying to fix everything so that we can be worthy of the Lord. But when we get a revelation of kingdom living, of being in the world but not of it, we understand that the goodness and the mercy of the Lord follows us all the days of our lives, And it looks like this, number one, no matter what we are facing, we can enter into the place of rest where we are nourished and restored for whatever we are facing because our shepherd is the prince of peace and he does restore our souls. And number two, our shepherd leads us in paths of right relationship with him so that when we pass through the valley under a shadow of death, we don't fear evil. We know the guidance and the correction of the Lord will lead us through the dark places. And the Prince of Peace is with us in the valley. He will never abandon us on the path of right relationship with him. And lastly, my favorite one, the Lord has prepared a table for you right under the nose of your enemy. And by doing so, he has declared you to be a daughter and a son of the Most High King with a seat next to him, the Prince of Peace making you a co-heir with him. So when you take your place at the table of the Lord, you need only to look your enemy in the eye. From that place of peace and victory is already yours. And you might need to get out and fight a battle or two, but you will overcome because of the blood of the Lamb of God who made a place for you, where there's always a place reserved for you.
1: There's this old, old,
0: old song that's been running through my head this week, all week as I've been preparing this, and it goes, victory, victory is mine. Victory, victory is mine. If I hold my peace, the Lord will fight my battles. Victory, victory is mine. And I never really understood that song until now. Peace is our weapon of warfare because those whose battle strategy is to sit down at a table instead of fighting They're either crazy, or they're so sure of their victory that they can sit in perfect peace in the face of their enemies and be unmoved. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. We hope that you were blessed. For more information about Resurgence, including how you can take part of this great movement, visit www.Liveresurgence.com.